Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast as we come out of an NFL week where the headlines were Taylor Swift, Usher, and the Miami Dolphins. And before we look back on week three and look ahead to week four, we will be joined today by Peter O'Reilly, the NFL executive who's been working in the league office for over 18 years and currently serves as the executive vice president, club business, international, and league events. And with the NFL set to kick off its international series this week with the Falcons and Jaguars in London on ESPN Plus, the first of three straight Sundays of London games, we figured we would get Peter O'Reilly on to talk about the NFL's goals internationally for this season and beyond. So we will be joined by the great Peter O'Reilly here in just a few moments. But first, let us look back to week three and the six-pack that was. Item number one. Sunday started with the announcement of Usher headlining the Super Bowl Halftime Entertainment Act and culminated with a text in the afternoon that Taylor Swift may be at Arrowhead Stadium. Field Yates and I got some information, a little tip that she could be there. We began furiously texting a bunch of people, and lo and behold, we got word that security was ushering in Taylor Swift to Arrowhead Stadium, and she was on the way to Travis Kelsey's box. I texted my daughter, 14-year-old daughter, and she's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah. And then the confirmation came, got a text that she was, in fact, there, as we suspected for a couple of hours. And we put out the information on social media and talked about something that went haywire and viral. Wow. And then, lo and behold, there was the Fox Live shot of Travis Kelsey's box with Taylor Swift in it. And it was like this euphoric reaction across social media. People couldn't believe that Taylor Swift was there. And the great part about it is there are a lot of people unfamiliar with football who think that Taylor Swift helped made Travis Kelsey. And this is great. Women are being educated about Travis Kelsey and men are being educated about Taylor Swift. And it's a merging of the two worlds, which is yet one more element to like this Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey story. All right, item number two on the six-pack. Congratulations in order for the rookie head coaches in Arizona, Jonathan Gannon, and Houston, D'Amico Ryans. Both coaches got their first wins. Both coaches got their first head coaching wins in improbable fashion. Both head coaches led huge upsets. Jonathan Gannon took down the mighty Dallas Cowboys, who had outscored their opponents 70-10. to 10 in the first two weeks of the season. And a lot of people, myself included, thought the Cardinals were on track to get the number one overall pick, which they still might. They have extra first-round draft picks, but it doesn't look like they are nearly as bad as people thought. And Gannon has them playing tough football. Three straight weeks, the Cardinals have been a tough out. Props to Jonathan Gannon. D'Amico Ryans goes into Jacksonville. I know the Jaguars have struggled against the Texans, but D'Amico Ryans put it on the Jaguars. Pretty impressive. Congratulations to both rookie head coaches. All right, item number three on this week's six-pack. Has anybody watched the Lions rookie tight end, Sam Laporta? Now, I know he caught a touchdown pass this week, but this is a guy from the moment the season kicked off in Kansas City. 
you could see that Sam Laporta was going to be a big-time tight end in the National Football League. And everybody talked about the tight end class last year that came out, one of the great tight end classes that we've seen in recent history, a tight end class loaded from top to bottom. I don't think it's a stretch right now to say that Sam Laporta has a chance to be the single best tight end from this tight end group that is very distinguished already. Sam Laporta looks like he can run, looks like he can catch, looks like a big-time target. The Lions looked like they had pay dirt in the second round coming up with Sam Laporta, and it looks like he's got an incredible future in Detroit and in the National Football League. Item number four, Sam Laporta's Lions will be taking on Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers Thursday night in what shapes up now as a huge game on Amazon on Thursday night. Think about this. The Vikings are 0-3. The Bears are 0-3. And so the NFC North, even this early in the season, looks like it's going to come down to Sam Laporta's Lions and Jordan Love's Packers. Here we go. Thursday night at Lambeau Field. And Jordan Love looks like the Packers have hit again. Now, they've had three and a half decades plus of Hall of Fame quarterback play from Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And we're not going to put Jordan Love in the Hall of Fame yet. Far from it. But we are going to say it looks like they hit on that pick. He looks like a player. He rallied the Packers from behind on Sunday. They won a game they really shouldn't have, which was fitting because a week ago they lost the game that they should have won in Atlanta when they had a 12-point fourth quarter lead. And Jordan Love, who I have great respect for, didn't complete a pass in the fourth quarter. Struggled some there. The whole team struggled some there. But think about this also. We're taping this early Tuesday morning. It sounds like the Packers are going to start to get back some or all of their offensive weapons. I know Christian Watson didn't practice on Monday, hasn't played yet this season, but it wouldn't surprise me if he played on Thursday night. Aaron Jones has a chance to play on Thursday night. And this Packers offense, once it gets back, Christian Watson, who's a big-time receiver, and Aaron Jones, who's a big-time running back, they could be clicking. And so the NFC North already looks like it's coming down to the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers, the winner Thursday night. Major advantage. Item number five, Mike McDaniel. Wow. Wow. Think about this. There were four teams that played on Monday night this past week. The Eagles, Buccaneers, Rams, and Bengals. Those four teams combined for 71 points. One more than the Miami Dolphins scored on the Denver Broncos on Sunday. It was an epic performance. They set nearly every NFL point and yard record for a single game. It was like a video game with Tyree Kill and Devon Achan running wild all across the Denver Broncos. And that must have meant an awful lot to Mike McDaniel, who I remember as a ball boy in Denver, then got his coaching start as a 22-year-old intern under Mike Shanahan before he bounced around the NFL with Kyle Shanahan and got hired eventually as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And everybody thought the Dolphins might go to Sean Payton. And the Dolphins were actually fined a first-round draft pick for tampering with Sean Payton. And they didn't get Sean Payton, who went to Denver. Guess what? They got Mike McDaniel. And Mike McDaniel looked like he remembered that the Broncos didn't give him a head coaching interview in 2022. And Mike McDaniel looked on point. And Mike McDaniel put up some serious numbers before the Miami Dolphins now have the huge challenge of this Sunday going into Buffalo to take on the Mighty Bills for a game that early on 
Looks like it could help determine the AFC East winner and a team that could have an edge in going for potentially home field advantage in the AFC. The Dolphins look like a force right now. Let's see if they can keep it rolling on Sunday in Buffalo. And item number six on the six-pack would be the aforementioned Sean Payton. A man who a lot of teams would want to be the head coach leaves the comforts of the Fox booth last year. And just on a basic level, I wonder, do you think to yourself, if you're Sean Payton, why did I leave the comforts of TV for this? He was making a nice living, didn't need the money. No, he's making a lot of it now. But coaching is hard. It is hard. And we were watching the games in the war room on Sunday, and I was sitting next to Herm Edwards in the Bristol ESPN headquarters, the war room there. I said, do you ever sometimes wonder as a coach when you come back, as Herm did, as Sean Payton did, if you made the right move? And Herm looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, of course. Sean Payton's thinking about that right now. Why did I come back to do this? And how could you not? When you come back and inherit that team and it plays the way it did and you're 0-3, that's hard. That takes a toll on everybody. And he didn't have to do this. He was a made man. He was a Hall of Fame coach, but he did it. He took on the challenge. And now he knows how big that challenge is and all that awaits. And this Sunday, he's got a chance to get his first win. And that's the thing about the NFL. It can change quick, right? The Broncos play at the Bears. And when we look at Sean Payton, he's got a strong history with Illinois. He grew up in Naperville, Illinois. He attended Eastern Illinois University. He's 7-3 versus the Bears as a head coach, including in the playoffs with seven straight wins. It would mean an awful lot for Sean Payton to get another win at Chicago, where he's from, to get the Broncos back on track. And then the Broncos the next week play the Nathaniel Hackett Jets game that everybody's had circled since Sean Payton made the comments he did about Nathaniel Hackett. So the Broncos could turn it around rather quickly, and they could be 2-3, and three, but for now... Sean Payton has to be wondering, why did I come back for this? All right, let's begin to look ahead to this week. Set your alarm clocks for early Sunday morning because on ESPN Plus, 9.30 a.m., Jaguars, Falcons, and it'll be the first of three straight games in London. The next three Sundays kicking off at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Set your alarm clocks, get ready for it. And the man that's going to help prep us for it is the man that heads up these efforts for the National Football League, a man that has worked for the league office for 18 years, a man who will be in London for the next three weeks, starting with Falcons-Jaguars on Sunday, the NFL executive Peter O'Reilly. Peter, we are now embarking on a schedule here of three straight weeks of games in London. October 1st, Falcons-Jaguars, Wembley Stadium. October 8th, Jaguars-Bills. London Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, October 15th, Ravens, Titans, London Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Three straight weeks. Are you going to be in London this entire time? Like you go and you don't come back home? I'm going to spend a chunk of time in London. It is the uh, the European, uh, not vacation, but the European trip. We got the, the UK games and then I'll be back over in Frankfurt for a couple of weeks later on. So uh, we're ready to roll. What's it like for you to have to go over to London for three straight weeks now? Um, it is, uh, my kids are a bit older, so it's, uh, it's all right. You know, my wife's come over for a couple of games, but we've got an incredible, 
uh, team over there in London, and there's nothing like it. You just get so energized by the you've seen it, the fans over there, all 32 clubs. So we love it, but it is a long haul away from home. What is the league's idea here about growing the league across the pond, if you will? I mean, we we believe we're on a path to become a true global sport property. Obviously, as you know, Adam, we've been we've been at this for a while. And I think now we're really seeing the fruits of all of those years of playing games in London, of building fans around the world. And the momentum is just incredibly strong. We've played more than 50 games now outside the U.S. And now we're starting to see in those early days, it was they were clapping at the wrong times. There wasn't the great fandom. Now that is an avid group of fans. And those aren't Americans or expats. Those are knowledgeable Brits and Europeans going crazy at the right moments. And this is about making our game accessible and bringing more fans to this sport that you and I love and and have dedicated big chunks of our lives to. But you could see the difference there when you go now compared to when you used to go at the start of this? 100%. 100%. We were initially, we were mixing into the game presentation, educating fans, kind of, here's what this is, here's what this penalty is. Now it is full on, just like you were in an American stadium. And I will say in Munich last year, same. Even though it was our first regular season game there, that is a smart, avid fan base in Germany. Well, last year, all the fans were singing Country Roads, right? And you're going to Germany twice this season. Is the plan to make Germany a regular destination for the NFL moving forward? Yeah, just on the Country Roads thing, that was probably one of the biggest goosebumps moments in my NFL career. Just fourth quarter, the entire place standing, singing John Denver. Tom Brady makes a last first down to win the game. The crowd didn't want to leave for 15 minutes after the game. It was special. And to answer your question, that was, we knew it coming in, but that was the moment. That's one of the reasons we're back playing two this year in Frankfurt. We're committed. We'll be back in Munich in 2024. Um, and I'd anticipate we're going to continue on in Germany. There are roots there, as you know. NFL Europe was ultimately more or less a Germany league. And that's, you know, there was pent up demand. You said goosebumps moment. One of the highlights of your NFL career, that big of a moment, huh, Peter? 100%. That was that was special. And uh, just when I went back and watched it in the Rich Eisen call of that, he was laughing to himself. What is going on here? But this is pretty special. Any chance we're going to get Country Roads sung in London here the next few weeks? We'll see. Our great game presentation director, Tim DeBito, has got songs. He's got his sing-along list. We'll see. Post-game in Germany, there was a great Sweet Caroline rendition, so you never know. How does the NFL determine every year which teams go overseas for games and do teams ever volunteer? Yeah, definitely. It's They're kind of two eras of international games. When we first played an international game in 2005 in Mexico, Cards Niners, and that run up until 2021, that was basically volunteer. You know, we were, you know, volunteering, voluntolding, whatever the term is. We were getting clubs on board. In 2022, all 32 clubs came together and said, we're going to each give up a home game. Um, and with four games per year, everyone's committed to giving up a home game. So we've now, with the Packers last year, all 32 have played overseas and now definitely raising your hand. You talk about the Germany games this year. The Chiefs and the Patriots both raised their hands right away. They've got marketing rights in Germany. They want to be there. The Bills raised their hand this year to play at Tottenham. They're building a new stadium. They got a lot of um, ideas in seeing that Tottenham Stadium, and they want to play in it as they are in construction phase for their new building. So the Jags obviously play have been playing every year in London, and they've got a longstanding commitment. So um, 
from the early days of convincing, it's now clubs really want to play over there. Roger Goodell has never outright said no to potentially having a team overseas at some point. How much have you guys explored that possibility? And is it something you could envision happening in the next 10 or so years? Adam, I wouldn't rule it out on that horizon. You know, just because of those fundamentals, when you think about the fans are there, you could, you could sell out those games. And we, you know, there are millions in the electronic queue to buy those games. We've got strong stadiums like Tottenham that was purpose built for NFL games. You've got government support. That said, it's complicated. So there's nothing imminent there. And when you think about competitive dynamics, making sure it's fair, making, you know, logistical dynamics, there's a lot more to still be worked through there. But the fact that we're having this conversation shows that the fandom is there and the support is there, knowing there are a lot of complications. What is the biggest complication, Peter? I think ultimately it is that competitive dynamic, you know, whether it's one or multiple clubs over there and the the travel component of that, when you look at even if you take it to a playoff scenario, if you're playing a you know a home game on a on a Saturday or Sunday during the playoffs and traveling there, those dynamics are complicated, um, and those aren't the only things. But we could see it happening on that time horizon you talk about. It could happen, Adam. I also would like to ask you: You've been to London, you've been to Germany, you've been to Mexico. What other countries is the NFL targeting? as potential future destinations, Peter. Yeah, and I say sometimes people think about NFL internationally as only equaling games, but we have year-round activities going on in other markets, and those are some of the markets that you might see us in playing games in the future. A country like Brazil, great NFL fans in Brazil, a country like Spain, where we've got in those markets – our game is, is broadcast, it's accessible, there's activities on the ground, we've got custom social media sites, a country like France, a country like Australia, which is harder to get to from a, from a travel perspective, but that is a sports-crazed nation who has a ton of NFL fans. So those are just some examples of that next set of markets, Adam. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You bring up Australia and France, but my understanding is 
is that the NFL recently had representatives in Brazil and Spain as recently as within the last few weeks, Peter. Are those the two places that are feasible to have games as early as next year, Brazil and Spain? Those are two. You're right. We did have teams on the ground in uh, Sao Paulo and Rio and Madrid over the last few weeks looking at it. And that's that's the diligence that we do constantly is, okay, what is the stadium like here? Could we play a game here? What does the support look like? So um, we're not there yet in terms of timing on that, but you're right. We are spending time in those markets, building relationships and looking at the stadia there. What does the support in Brazil and Spain look like right now, Peter? It's great. There's a lot of interest in the NFL. I mean, we saw it. We did a Super Bowl viewing party last year down in Brazil, and it was packed, and the energy is there. Um, Those iconic, you know, like we went to Allianz Arena with Bayern Munich, you've got some classic soccer clubs around the world who are really interested in hosting the NFL and building a relationship with the NFL. So, the marriage of those two, there's interest there, Adam, for sure. And it's just determining um, the timing and the uh, the approach. Is it fair to say that Brazil and Spain are ahead of Australia and France in the pecking order right now? Um, yeah, I mean, Australia, from a games perspective, is more challenging. That is a, a long flight during a regular season. So there are challenges there. We're doing a lot of other things in Australia, and we've got more to come there. France, great market. Um, a lot of focus, obviously, on the Paris Olympics coming up. Um, hmm. So it would be kind of getting beyond that. But uh, Brazil and Spain are uh, are two strong markets and two important markets. And, and importantly, they're also markets that clubs are interested in. You know that clubs have global uh-huh. market rights around the world. The Dolphins have rights in Brazil. The Bears and the Dolphins have rights in Spain. So marrying where clubs are now building their fan base is important. It needs to work for the clubs as well. Why is it important for teams to have rights to certain European markets or worldwide markets? Because I think from our perspective, it comes down to the essence of a fan. We, you and I grew up as fans of teams. We loved the NFL, but you're a fan of a, a team and that's your passion point. So the league marketing in say a country like Spain and is great and marketing all 32, but clubs coming in there and creating affinity for their team that's great for the league, great for the club. And these are, they've got global iconic athletes and global iconic brands. They want to be on the ground building that, building fans and fans helps grow their broader business. What's amazing to me, Peter, is that the NFL, which always seems to be growing in popularity, every time you think it's tapped out, it does something to push the boundaries higher, like moving the draft from city to city. You don't think the draft could be any more popular. And then all of a sudden it's bouncing around like a traveling circus and it becomes even more popular. And the the league is incredibly popular in our country, but now you're growing it globally. So is that part of thinking like you are, I don't want to say maxed out because the league is never maxed out uh, around this country, but it's the next frontier and it helps the league get to a certain level it wouldn't otherwise be able to achieve. I think that's right. And I'd say we're far from maxed out in this country, but I think the opportunity is to really, as I said before, become a true global sport. And we know that we're not fully there. And we, you know, we learn from other sports like soccer, what basketball does, what, what um, F1 does. So we want to get better and we learn from them. And we think we've got a real opportunity. And ultimately, 
when fans get exposed to our games, whether it's via a game there that's in person or watching it on TV or social media um, or playing flag football, we know that it creates fandom and community in these markets. And um, that's great for, for us and for our clubs. Is part of this the NFL announcing earlier this month that they're expanding practice squads on all 32 teams to include international players starting next season? Does that feed into this idea to grow the game globally? It does. It does. This We want the best athletes. Our teams want the best athletes in the world to have an opportunity and a pipeline into the NFL. Opening weekend, week one, we had 101 foreign-born players on NFL rosters. 63 of them recorded snaps. We're seeing more foreign-born players on D1 college rosters. What we announced was just another tool to allow more foreign-born great athletes who may have picked up our game later in life um, for the opportunity to be on a practice squad, an opportunity to develop. You see someone like a Jordan Mailata who started in left, at left tackle in the Super Bowl for the Eagles. He didn't play football until he was 20 or he didn't even watch football until he was 20 or 21, was scouted, came into our international player pathway program, and now is at the elite level of our game playing in the Super Bowl. There are more athletes like that around the world, and it's easier to do that in the NFL than, say, in basketball and soccer, where it's so specialized. But there's so many body types and so many different skills that are needed to make up an NFL roster. There are more opportunities there. And I would imagine when you're in London the next three weeks and then in Germany for two weeks in November, there's probably some eight, nine, ten-year-old kid who watches the NFL at that point, who falls in love with the game, who one day may be one of those players who winds up playing for an NFL team on a practice squad or making the roster or growing up playing the game to become a professional NFL player. 100%. We have an NFL academy in the UK where there are high school athletes from around the world who are studying and playing football. And that a lot of the, we've got 30 on D1 rosters right now. There's a player who is, who Osi Umanyora discovered in Africa, in Nigeria, Emmanuel Okoye, who'd never played football, went to the academy, played two games, and is now at the University of Tennessee on a full scholarship. There are kids around the world who are being inspired by this game, which is awesome. So as you look ahead for yourself personally, where's this all going for you? Having been a former student manager at Notre Dame, working in the NBA, getting your master's from Harvard, spending 18 years in the league office, now growing the game globally for the NFL. Where is all this going for you, Peter? I'm head down, Adam, on just focused on let's 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 kick off some games in London. Let's keep doing the right things. We've got an incredible team here. So um, I am head down on making sure this is the most successful season we've ever had. Do you get any free time at all while you're in London the next few weeks, Peter? Um, we'll get a we'll get a couple of dinners, but we are uh, we are again, it's we got to we got to do it right. So we'll get a couple of dinners. Hey, Peter, I really appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. Enjoy your trip the next few weeks to London. Good luck with the games there, starting with the Falcons-Jaguars in London on ESPN Plus Sunday. We appreciate the time today. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate you having me. Thank you, Peter. Think about that. Spain and Brazil, maybe Australia. The league never stops looking for additional ways to raise revenue, grow the game, and it's looking right now, and it certainly sounds like it's tracking to have a game in Spain as early as next season. Looks like Brazil's coming up real quick as well. And somehow, some way, the league will find a way and figure out a way to get a game to Australia. They'll keep spreading the boundaries and keep spreading the love of American football. 
there will be no time at all before we see games in these other markets. That's coming. But for now, we get London and we get Germany here, Frankfurt, Germany, the next few weeks. All right. Speaking of that Falcons-Jaguars game, Jaguars coming off a bad loss, two straight losses. Lost at home to the Chiefs, lost at home to the Texans, now go on the road to play the Atlanta Falcons. And this is the Falcons' third time playing in London. They haven't played there since 2021. The Jaguars' 10th game in London, the most of any team. The Jaguars are 4-5 and five in London. They lost there last year, and they'll just stay in London and play in week five against the Buffalo Bills as London's become the unofficial home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that becomes the first game on Sunday. The notable game, of course, is the Dolphins and Bills, as we mentioned at the start. The Bills have really handled the Dolphins. Tua Tungavailoa is only one in four in his career versus the Bills, and the only win ever was in Miami in 2022, week three. That was the game where Tua went down. With the head injury, they left him in, big controversy. And now we're back to talking football. He's been healthy. And when two is healthy right now, he's on an MVP candidate pace. And I have a feeling Josh Allen, who's nine and two in his career against the Dolphins, will have something to say about that. Other games Sunday, Ravens Browns, great AFC North rivalry. Lamar Jackson usually has had his way with Cleveland, six and two in versus Cleveland in his career, but this Browns defense is playing at an elite level. The Browns have won two straight home games against the Ravens, and Cleveland has never won three straight home games against its AFC North rival. We'll see if they can do that. The Bengals seem to get off the schneid on Monday night, get back on track. Joe Burrow was able to fight through, play through that calf injury. Now they head to Tennessee, and the Bengals have won three straight versus the Titans, including the playoffs. They won 20-16 to in Week 12 last season. And also beat them in the 2021 divisional playoff round. Joe Burrow has usually played pretty tough against them. And keep in mind, Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, and Ryan Tannehill, the Titans quarterback, they worked together uh, at Texas A&M, where Zach Taylor was a graduate assistant from 2008 to 2011. And then with the Dolphins in 2012-2015, Tannehill was with him at Texas A&M and in Miami. So Zach Taylor knows Ryan Tannehill very well. Rams-Colts, another big game this upcoming week. The Colts seem to be a little bit resurgent. I'm going to guess they get Anthony Richardson back. The Rams have to make another long road trip. We get an NFC South rivalry game. Bucks-Saints, the Buccaneers swept the Saints last season after New Orleans had won seven straight regular season meetings from 2018 to 2021. We'll see how that one works out. Another divisional matchup, Commanders-Eagles. Remember the Commanders? Won the most recent meeting between the two teams in Week 10 last season in Philly, a Monday night game. The Eagles were off to an 8-0 start, and Washington comes into Philadelphia and pulls the upset. Nobody ever would have thought that. So Washington now gets another chance to beat Philadelphia. Sure, Philly will remember that game well. We'll see how that one turns out. We have the winless teams, the Vikings and Panthers squaring off. It's going to be ugly for somebody that goes to 0-4 there. Steelers-Texans, another interesting matchup. Pittsburgh's rebounded after its opening day loss, and Houston's coming off a big win. So those are two resurgent teams right now squaring off. Raiders and Chargers out west before the Chargers go on a bye week five. Uh, again, big loss for Mike Williams, the wide receiver. Torn ACL, hope he gets well soon, but what a brutal loss. The, the Chargers just seem to have more injuries at key spots with key players every year 
than just about anybody. It's a hard thing to predict, but it never fails. Mike Williams, the first big player to go down this year. And like I said, hopefully he gets back soon. We get the Patriots-Cowboys, which they played a great game in 2021, week six in Foxborough, 35-29 overtime game where C.D. Lamb caught the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime. Let's hope that game this Sunday matches up to the activity level, the excitement level of that one from 2021. Cardinals 49ers, another divisional matchup. We see the theme here before getting the Jets and Chiefs Sunday night at MetLife Stadium. Patrick Mahomes' first trip ever to MetLife Stadium. And I might add, if you don't mind, Taylor Swift does have a place in New York, not far from MetLife Stadium. Is Taylor Swift going to attend two straight Chiefs games? And then we wrap up the week. Monday Night Football. Seattle. The New York Giants. MetLife Stadium again. Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback. 0-6 in his career on Monday Night Football. And 1-11 in his career on primetime. The Giants lost last Thursday night in Week 3 against the 49ers in primetime. And Geno Smith knows MetLife well, spent one season as Eli Manning's backup with the Giants in 2017. So we'll see if Geno can find a way to have a celebratory homecoming against a quarterback in Daniel Jones that struggled on primetime. I'm sure you hear plenty about that stat and those numbers this upcoming week. All right. We want to thank our great guest, Peter O'Reilly, for his time today, as he now is in London getting ready for Sunday's Falcons-Jaguars matchup. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott, for putting together this podcast. And for you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Hope everybody enjoys week four. Be well and stay safe.